Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor. I wonder if you have great memories of your elementary school years, great teachers that came along and did something wonderful for you to make you feel special. Today, we are talking with Darlene Reed. She's a teacher, a comforter, and a wearer of the red dress. You know, it's not easy to be a teacher in this time, in this age. There's a lot of limitations that have come upon teachers And while neither of us, I was a teacher too, while neither of us are still in classrooms, I'm wondering, would you be willing to share with us some of the issues that teachers are facing who have 30 kids in their class or a little less or a little more, depending on the district? And they they walk in on day one and they exit on 180. What in the world happens in the classroom during that time with that teacher? Well, I can only talk from my personal experiences because I know it's different in each school, each district, each state. But the main thing to me, what really changed in education is when it became so important that children take a test and that they achieve according to a paper that they filled out. And, And being a first grade teacher for so long, it just didn't work with little children to be paper driven and you miss the emotional connection that is so needed to make them highly interested. So for me as a teacher, I had always wanted it to be driven with lots of enthusiasm and joy. And when they came out with programs that were so organized that you had to be talking on the minute when they told you to be talking at that minute and to be doing exactly what they said, it Mm. took away the personal connection and it took the joy out of the classroom and it put so much stress on everybody. Yeah. And And a lot of great teachers walked away at that time. They just couldn't do it. It was it was robbing them of the joy, literally, of being in that classroom. Right. And and the other thing that really what I saw, which grieved me, was children were punished because they did not have a good home life in such ways as let's make sure the home is accountable so they would have to have homework. And then when the children would come to school without their homework, whether they'd be living in a car or the parents were gone at night and the children would be in chaos at home, then the children would be punished for not bringing the homework. Uh So it was so painful to watch that, having known as a kid what it was like. Uh Yeah. You've got your own personal story there of why you decided first grade was the grade you'd want to teach, how it impacted you to be a young child in a family that had very little resources and little responsibility from the adults. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that. Can you? Sure. One of the main things for me was not having any support at home. You kind of learned on the street so to speak, no matter how old you were. Uh So I had some actually comical situations to show you how clueless I was. When I was in third grade, my mom was going to be gone to a doctor's appointment, and I had to babysit my preschool brother. So I had to make a choice. Do I 
stay home and babysit or do I take him to school with me? So I took him to school with me because actually I was so proud of him. I thought he was just the cutest thing ever, and I wanted to show him off for show and tell. <laughs> and when I get to school, I put him in my seat with me, which fit fine, both of us, but the teacher was not so happy. And so the teacher ended up taking him to the office, and when she took him to the office, I ran out of the classroom and ran home. Wow, because you felt like you'd done something wrong, you thought it was a great idea, and all of a sudden, you've actually left him, in essence. Well, I had to because I knew that she wasn't going to let me have him, and she was very upset with me for doing such a thing anyway. But those are just examples when you don't really know the rules and you don't really know how people are going to respond to you. And so when I was a teacher, I did everything I could with new students because we moved so often. I was always going to a new school. So the best thing for me was when I got married, I don't want to tell my husband that the best thing was getting his name, but I did appreciate it because when the students would come into the door to be a new student, I would say, you are the luckiest person in the whole world because my name is Mrs. Reed and I'm going to teach you how to read. And that's why you came to school. And you could see the children relax. That the air would just be there because they felt like it was a divine appointment to be in my classroom. <laughs> okay, Darlene, I want to share a story that, that you haven't even heard yet. I'll tell you real quickly. I had a little boy who really needed to repeat kindergarten, which is rare, but he was very immature. Came in quite late. And I had him in the room, and I talked with him and his mother at conference, and I said, you know, I really would love to have you stay back a year and spend time with me and help me. I need you, and it would be just great. And so he he said, absolutely, and his mom was blown away how easy that was. And <laughs> at the end of the year, which came soon, we had a little gathering, and all of a sudden he jumped up and he said, how many of you get to spend next year with Mrs. Taylor? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and everybody looked at him, and then he jumped up, and he was just clapping, and nobody, I mean, their faces were so sad. They all said, I want to stay. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all yes. how we present it, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That's what we did. That's what we did, and that's why it's sad now that it's just about how well did you take the test. Darlene, you had, I need to have you tell me a little bit about that story, because for a six-year-old to be taking care of a three-year-old, there's a problem there. <laughs> there's a lack of adult understanding of their responsibilities. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people living with this issue. They're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to work. They're trying to come up with money to buy food, and they're in a bad spot. Can you share some of the things that happened to you at that age? My beginning memories were when I was six years old because my school memories were the ones that stood out the strongest. But we lived in a boxcar, a train that had been removed from the tracks. And on the way to school one day, the bus driver says to my brother, I thought you were one of those dumb kids that lived there. So we felt from the community shame but one day when I get to school, and I'm six years old, it's my birthday, my teacher has a red dress for me. And that gave me value as a memory that I hung on forever to 
wonder why it was so important to me. But one reason is, is because with the community and the lack of emotional connection at home, it was to be valued by a teacher meant so much because it was such in contrast to something like that bus driver would say. Yeah, yeah. But as it, with the poverty like it was, to show you how poor we were, we got evicted from that boxcar. I don't know exactly who was waiting in line to rent that boxcar, but there must have been somebody because to evict us, you know, maybe it was just because we didn't pay and he wasn't getting any money. But that was one of my first experiences that stood out forever of, of how a teacher could do something that could impact the child's life forever. And so where did you go from the boxcar? Well, then we went all over. We went to Kansas. We went to Nebraska. We went all over to the Midwest, and we just kept moving. I guess it was every time they kicked us out because we didn't pay the rent. I'm not real sure why. Maybe it was because we destroyed the place because I had five brothers and I was the only girl. That <laughs> The family grew <laughs> during all this, in other words. <laughs> yes, but no girls. I kept praying for a little baby sister, but I never got one as a baby. But I loved that little baby brother of mine, the, the last one. Actually, I love I loved the little ones because I just loved caring for them. But what happened was when I was 13, I was in a small town in Nebraska, and I went to this little church. This town was only the population of about 100. And I went to this church where a missionary was visiting and he told us this story about Jesus and how he died for our sins. And and I was just enamored with this love that God could have for us with this story that he told. So I said, okay, I'm on board. I'm going to take this. And so I got so excited when I went to school. Now, there were only four people in my class, but it was a one-room schoolhouse that had eight grades in it. When I'm writing this story, it's all about this love. And then as soon as the story's over, uh, we had a break and there was recess. And I teased a boy that was in our room. And the teacher said, that's what's wrong with you, Christians. You write about how this is such a wonderful thing. And then this is the way you treat people. So this shamed me to the point that I thought, I was an embarrassment to God Mm -hmm. because what happened for me was I totally missed the part about being forgiven. I -hmm. totally missed the part about having sinned. I could have written that cowboy Western song that says somebody done somebody wrong song (laughs) because I'd just been a victim up to that point. So that part made me think that someday I would be good enough and I'd be able to share about the love of Jesus. Hmm. And I worked hard on that, but without the forgiveness, it's a very difficult place to be. Mm-hmm. And and I never did learn that to the full extent until I was old enough to really get involved in healing classes and classes that led you to make an exchange, mm-hmm. make an exchange of our sins to receive what God had for us. 
That's a powerful statement, Darlene, and it is something that really applies when we think about young kids, how we speak to them, how we try to understand where they're coming from, what their needs are. We're going to come right back after a brief break, but you've got so much more to share, and I'm so grateful to have you with us today. Darlene Reed out of California. We'll be right back at Choose Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today here on Choose Life Radio. We are here because of people just like you, friends who partner with us through prayer and their financial gifts. This summer, we'd like to invite you to become a Choose Life Radio ally. For a gift of any amount to Choose Life Radio, we'd like to send you, as our way of saying thank you, the Jeremiah Study Bible. This 2,200-page hard-covered edition has over 8,000 individual study notes from Dr. David Jeremiah, over 50 full-length articles, and a wealth of resources to help you study the Bible in a deeper way. We'll also include a copy of the Bible Promise Book. This handy little volume is a reference that is full of biblical wisdom on many practical matters. I'm sure you'll find this little reference very helpful. This package is a $55 retail value. It's yours, while supplies last, for a gift of any amount to Choose Life Radio. And we'll cover the postage. Visit ChooseLifeRadio.com. Find out more and connect with us. And while you're there, make sure to let us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. Reach out and connect today. Become a Choose Life Radio ally and join our team. Visit ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. This is a happy day. We're hearing a happy story that is very sad. I really want you to understand that this is a woman who grew up in a family, Darlene Reed, who had absolutely nothing. They lived in a train car. They were expelled from a train car and had to go to other places that were even more unsafe. This child grew up not knowing the security of so many of us as kids. But even then, God got to her heart. He he saved her. I love the story that she told in the first half. You're going to have to go back and listen if you're joining us just now. But Darlene, again and again, I thank you for being with us today. Well, you're welcome. Glad to be here. I think that one of the things that we deal with in this world is the concept of how much I pay in my taxes, how much I have to pay to save other people, to give them their, their free medical or whatever. And yet your you're an example of a family who, who needed that, who needed that help and needed that so that you could become who you are today. Can you talk about what's on the other side? I think people don't really get how painful it is to have done what you did, to have lived through that. Well, not only was it painful, but at the same time, it was so miraculous because God was in all my choices and in spite of the negative, there was always something there, just like the teacher with the red dress. So by the time I'm in high school, actually I'm 13, it's the third time that my parents let me go live with another family. Didn't just let me, encouraged me to leave home. So I had a family in this small town that was moving from Nebraska to Oklahoma. 
And I went to high school in Oklahoma then with this new family. But when I graduated from high school, I had no money and no way. And and that family was going to be transferred again and not be in Oklahoma anymore. So it was a math teacher that Hmm. took me to a college. And he and his wife drove me an hour and a half to the president's office in this college. And we're sitting there talking to the president. And my math teacher said, she would like to go to college, but she has no money. And all I remember is the president saying she's enrolled. So there again, it was another gift from God. And I ended up going to college in three years. At that time, when I graduated, you had to take a test that made you ask questions about your family. So I took the test and I failed. So this counselor advised me to take the test again. So I had the gift of choosing a different family to answer the questions about. Now, maybe you could say I did not completely tell the truth, but actually I did tell the truth because I chose to answer the question about different mothers and fathers that I'd lived with. Uh And I passed the test that way. (laughs) So I ended up being in a first grade classroom, I didn't really see my life as having that many choices. I just kind of floated with the open doors. Mm. So I ended up teaching first grade and understanding what it was like as a kid. It was just such an exciting thing to me to realize that I could give out red dresses Mm. just like was for me. And because of it, teaching school, I wanted it to be fun. So I created a program to where you could read and write and with fun songs and a ladybug to get the children excited. And and as a result of it, I became Fontana Teacher of the Year. And then I went on to become San Bernardino County Teacher of the Year. And it was all based on the passion of my childhood. And so having given out these red dresses and retired, I've been in the malls before where some grandmother came up to me and said, Mrs. Reed, Jasmine cannot sleep if without that red dress under her bed. Oh. And I had another boy that was in my class. And three years later, I'm subbing at that school and I'm walking by and he yells way across from the cafeteria, Mrs. Reed, I still have my red T-shirt because <laughs> I gave out the research to the boys. And then I would choose a day in that classroom where each child could be the special child that day. They'd lead the line and pick the book that we read or the games. Anytime there was a choice, it was they get to be the special person of the day. And so I share my story and encourage people to look for the miracles in spite of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so because of it, another time I'm speaking at a group and and I do a raffle ticket to draw for a red dress and this one lady got the dress and she said I'm going to give it to a little girl whose father is coming home from the military he was overseas so these are the examples of the things that I got to do because of my life other people met me other people gave me the gift that God could show me his love for me and that it was his purpose that I have life. It's stunning what you're sharing with us because it shows, it shows that even in the rough things, God will use those to make us 
more beautiful in our representation of him. I bet those kids just had a ball in your classroom <laughs> and walked away, all of them knowing how to read. That's just fabulous. That's uh, amazing. I think you've done that with your grandchildren, too, haven't you? <laughs> it was fun. It's always fun. It's always fun. One other thing I want to bring up and just talk about for the next few minutes is you were subject to a tremendous loss in your family. You went through something that was extremely difficult with your son, Stanley, who passed away at age six. And I'd love it if you would apply here what you did to get through that for him, to get through it for your son, who was just two years older and help your marriage stay together, because that's probably the most difficult thing I can imagine. Yes, what happened was, all my problems were always my husband, so I did everything I could to get him into counseling. When I got to counseling, the counselor said, what took you so long to get here? And I thought, well, don't you see how heavy my husband is? It was really difficult dragging him all the way here. <laughs> but the, the counselor basically said, you know what? You could use a little help, and if he doesn't want help, it doesn't matter. We could help you. So as a result of me losing my son to cancer, it really drove me to decide what I could do about it. During that time of Stanley's illness, I had so much support from church. We had 24-hour prayer change. So many miracles happened during that time that it was totally amazing to see God work in the midst of some of the worst things that we thought we could ever lose, that, that could ever happen to us. Mm -hmm. Because I had always believed growing up that if I had a job and I had a marriage and I had a house, it was the answer to all the world's problems. And then to end up seeing that I was going to lose my son, it was just like, well, these dreams that we mm -hmm. lean into to think that, that it's going to make us happy. There, there's no promise other than the fact that God really does love us. And one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, the things that we put our faith in, the things that we think are going to make us the best that we can ever be are not necessarily what is for God's glory. And that's another one of my verses is the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 6, 3. When we live to see what fulfills God's glory, then we can go through the worst of times. That's so important for us to hear, to be reminded that we don't have control of this world. We have the gift of having a different world that's going to be perfect and joyful and loving and reconnecting with those that we love. Again, if there's someone along this journey with us as we talk who's dealing with that, I hope you take courage. I hope you take your faith along with you, even though sometimes we want to be angry with God as if he's the one who's causing this. But the reality is we want to be thankful for what we have, for what we have been given in the past, and for what our future is going to be like. You've used that to help other people going through that experience. Tell me a little bit about helping other people, Darlene. Well, I love to share the story about how important it is to make the exchange. In other words, sit before God and just say, I give you this pain. What do you give back to me? 
And when he shows up and he shows you where you need to be healed and he shows you where who you need to forgive, it's totally miraculous to live in his presence and to receive the forgiveness and to give you the wholeness to live in it. Yeah. And one thing that I did after I retired is I called all my brothers and they were all over the United States and we had a reunion and we hadn't seen each other in 50 years. And to see this reunion and to see the responsible brothers and to see their hearts and their caring for each other and for the world was just flat out amazing. (laughs) Because I had so much shame for my family and thought that nobody could learn anything and nobody was capable. And to see that everybody had a heart was amazing. That is incredible. And we're going to end on that very happy note, knowing that you've given us so much to think about. Thank you so much, Darlene Reed, for sharing your story, for being the person who helps others recuperate from tough losses. Thanks for being a wonderful teacher as well. It was so great to have that interview with Darlene Reed. I hope you really enjoyed it. And I think there's another gift that we have to offer you. We'd love to have you receive today the Jeremiah Study Bible. It has 50 full-page articles in it. It has 8,000 study notes. You're going to be one of the smartest people in your Bible study when you have that book in your hand. It's just going to be fabulous. We're also offering you, at the same time, the Bible Promise Book, which has just got some real sweet little devotional thoughts right from the Bible. We're doing this because we really want you to know how much we value you, and we would love it if you would give us a gift of any kind, any size. So let us know right away. You can do that by going to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and there you can make a donation and give us the information, the radio station, and all of your information that you want to give us. We'll get that gift out to you right away. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.